0: Oh This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Good morning, my fellow quarantine inmates. How are you today? As some of you listen to this and you start to awaken from your slumber, some of you are going to be real lucky, and some of you are going to return to a quote-unquote relatively normal life, you'll be lucky to have your job. But others who are going to awaken from this slumber are going to understand that this slumber that they've been in is nothing compared to the nightmare that awaits. The nightmare of losing your job. The nightmare of not only losing your job, but losing your job In probably the worst job market that is out there. Today I want to talk to you, as I always do, about freedom. And I want to have an honest conversation with you to prep you for what is about to come. But I want to do it in some a different way than I normally do when I talk about principles. And we're not going to talk about economic theory, or we're not going to talk about the Constitution today, or we're not going to talk about any meaningful principle of freedom. What we're going to talk about today is you. And more importantly, what we're going to talk about today is you and your attitude. Today I'm going to say some things that I've been saying for a long time, but... They need to be repeated and brought together. And a lot of people are going to read between the lines and add two and two together and all of a sudden come up with six or seven or eight and come up with some meaning that is behind this when it comes to politics. When I talk to you about what I want to talk to you about in this show today, I'm not aiming it at any person or any political party. I am aiming it pretty much as an honest reflection of what is going on in the world right now. If you look around at the world today, I want you to ask yourself some very, very tough questions. And instead of always looking at the other side, quote-unquote, I want you to do some soul-searching and talk about not just the the other side, but also do self-reflecting on what your side is like. Some of the questions I want to ask you today. America talks about being a Judeo-Christian nation. Other nations around the world claim to have some variation of this. Ireland claims to be a Catholic nation, for example. In the last 5 years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, you can pick the timescale that you feel most comfortable with. But are we on the arc and the trajectory that says we are leaning more toward those values? Are we becoming more and more like We're moving away from those values. I would ask you the same question about freedom. The arc of history that we're on right now is that arc bending towards freedom, towards individual liberty, towards unleashing the energy and individual genius of man to let them pursue their own happiness, to chart their own course. Or is the arc of history bending more towards government, towards control, towards towards tyranny? Whether it's a a hard tyranny that we all look down on and that we all despise in places like China or North Korea, but also countries that you know get a pass, or we fill them up with words that mean make us feel warm inside. That oh well, they're not so bad. We use words like. Grandiose words like democracy. What arc and what part of the arc of history are we on? I know everyone wants to talk about the politics. Oh, who are you voting for in 2020? Oh, are you you on Team Biden? Are you on Team Trump? Are you on Team Amash? Just put that all aside for a few minutes. I'm going to talk to you for about 40 minutes today. Because that's irrelevant. I want you to step back and look at the bigger picture. But I also want you to do it, since most of my audience and most of you who are, are kind enough to listen to this Irish guy every week are based in America, I want to ask you some questions about your founding fathers. And the reason I'm doing this is because I want to lay a foundation for you. I want to lay a foundation for what you're going to go through going forward and what I believe is the most critical attribute you have. But when you look at America today, Does the Constitution mean anything? Does the Constitution actually mean anything? Or is it just some document we blow the dust off when it's politically convenient for our side? Oh, the Constitution makes that argument. I agree with that. Let's talk about it. The Founding Fathers' vision of freedom. Because everyone has a perverted version of freedom. This idea that only one side of the debate or one side of the aisle likes freedom. Karl Marx liked freedom. In, in Karl Marx's kind, in bourgeoisie, sorry, in Karl Marx's vision of freedom, it was freedom from the, the bourgeoisie, the greedy capitalist, the landowner. But he spoke about freedom. Everyone believes in their version of freedom. I don't care whether you're the most progressive, lefty, socialist, hippie, communist that loves government to the most freedom-loving person. You all love a version of freedom. The difference between the Founding Fathers' version of freedom and the version of freedom that everyone seems to love today is the Founding Fathers' vision of freedom was absolute. It was for everyone. And it made people uncomfortable. It wasn't just a case of, and I always use this example as speech. If you have to protect speech, or if you have to say that you can say that, you can say that, you can say that, you've no problem with me using these words. But what about the words that I you I use that makes you feel uncomfortable? You know, if I use certain phrases, or I say certain things that, oh, I don't know about that. Let me give you a simple example. Hey, People in China should be allowed to have more than one kid. Oh, I don't know. Can you can you say that in China? Oh, oh. Likewise in America. The great thing about freedom of speech is you have all these idiots running around on social media. Oh, Donald Trump is like Hitler. Oh, my God. Donald Trump is like Hitler. Coronavirus hits and Gee, Donald Trump won't take more power. And why won't he take more control? And why won't Donald Trump do more? You literally argued for three years running around saying he was like Hitler. Now you want the guy to take more power? But you have these people running around. The great thing about that is it's a freedom. It's freedom of speech. But the idea of nature's law and nature's God, the freedoms that that entails, is that sometimes people are going to do things that you think may, or may be bad, maybe dumb, maybe stupid, But the great thing about it is, is they have a right to pursue their own happiness. Just like you have a right to pursue their happiness and go, you know what? Everything that you do is dumb and stupid. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to chart my own course. And the results at the end of the day will speak for themselves. But I want you to look at your founding documents. The Declaration of Independence. Does that mean more today? Again, on that arc of history, are we bending towards that meaning more? Did that been celebrated? Or is it just something we blow off every 4th of July? Oh, it's 4th of July, yay, hamburgers, hot dogs, beer. Yeah, we're free. Are we bending more towards us? Where the idea that all men are created equal and endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights. Are we leaning more towards accepting government as the giver and taker of those rights? That government is ultimately the nanny, the god, the superpower. The higher being, the higher authority that says, you know what? You can do this now. These are your freedoms. But if something comes around, yeah, we can take those freedoms away just like that. Which arc of history are we on? But then as we get to the Constitution, the idea that your founding fathers declared their independence in 1776, it took 11 long years for them to write the Constitution, for them to get it ratified. It took them 11 long years to debate Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Look at your Congress today. And don't just, well, the Democrats, John, oh, the Republicans. Look at all sides. Look at all sides. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Does anyone know what's in that today? Does anyone care? What arc of history are we on when it comes to limiting government and Article 1, Section 8, of what the 18 clauses are that the federal government can do? And on the flip side of that, are we any closer to arguing about federalism? Likewise, when we flip that to Article 2, are you closer to following Article 2, or are you moving further and further away from it? Whether your president is George Bush, a Republican, Barack Obama, a Democrat, or Donald Trump, a Republican. Are you moving towards limiting the power that's in Article 2, which is li- literally has no power? It has fancy titles, and sure, and has different responsibilities, but actually legislative power has none. All that belongs to Congress. Then when it comes to Article 3, the, the courts, do you actually argue everything in front of the supreme court or do they pick and choose what cases they want to hear do you the cases that are successful that get heard what's actually argued in front of the supreme court be in front of the supreme court the law of the land? is it actually the law of the land in the constitution that's ever argued or is it always just kept precedent in case law Again, this is not me targeting one side or calling out Donald Trump or the Republican Party. This is me asking you questions. Each of you will have different answers. Why did I start talking about this and asking you to go through everything that's in your founding fathers? Because I'm going to be honest with you, and I've been saying this for a couple of weeks. This coronavirus has changed our world. This coronavirus has changed our world. And we can argue and discuss, you know, whether it should have happened or whether it shouldn't have, whether it did too much or too little. We've discussed that on this show over the last few weeks, and I don't want to discuss that again. What I want to discuss with you is, if you're a real freedom lover, if you believe in the tenets that your founding fathers suggested, the tenets that your founding fathers risked everything for, those tenets, those principles. If you believe not in your version of freedom and everything you're comfortable with, but things where you go, I don't know whether they should be able to do that, but you're not going to infringe on their right to do it. If you believe in the principles of nature's law and nature's God, your voice is more critical right here, right now, than it has ever been in the last, I would argue, since the fall of the Berlin Wall. I can't think of a time that is more critical since that time in Eastern Europe and where it happened with the wall falling. But I want to talk to you about you. Because we have to ask ourselves some very tough questions. We have more communication devices today. We can reach more people than we have ever been able to do before. And that arc of constitutional law that arc of freedom that arc of liberty is that bending towards us winning the argument or are more and more people open to a version of tyranny once their guy is running it or girl this isn't how you vote this is how you perceive and how you act I would argue some of the cases that I've seen and some of the stories I've seen where people are telling on their neighbors and government is encouraging you to do so if you break quarantine laws, if you leave your house, if you act a certain way. That's not government's fault. That's government's fault for doing it. But what about the people who actually felt went along with it and went, "I, I am going to report my neighbor. They're more open to government than that superpower, that higher authority, that government, that nanny than ever before so how do we change it how do we stop the tide yes i'll get this out of the way early sometimes you're going to have to vote quote unquote the right way vote for the right person absolutely voting has a part but there's also a bigger part and i believe right here right now if you believe in this principles of nature's law and nature's god the thing that will help our cause more is your voice So I wanted you to imagine the battle we're in right now. And yes, it's old and it's cliche and it's kind of manly thing to do. I want you to imagine a boxing ring. Or if you're, you know, it's 2020, if you prefer UFC, I want you to imagine the UFC octagon. And I want you to think right here of the participants in this battle. If you had to name the participants and say what the participants are and what they're fighting for, name them. I believe a lot of people would maybe make the case for left versus right, Trump versus never Trump. But I think and I believe this battle is so much deeper than anything that a lot of people talk about. The political battles that you have, left versus right, Democrat versus Republican, heck, even conservative versus moderate Republican, is only scratching the surface. The deeper battle, it's easy to say, is on one corner, you have Mr. Liberty, Mr. Freedom. And in the other corner, you have Mr. Tyranny. And they're constantly juking it out, blow for blow. Boom, boom, boom. If you wanted to even go further, you can make the argument that, well, it's the law of man in one corner versus the law of nature in the other corner, and nature's God in the other corner. Those are all apt. But you see, when you think about it, and even people like me have described the battle as liberty versus tyranny, freebies versus freedom, we always get caught into this mano a mano battle. And the truth of the matter is, we are not facing one man. In truth, and I want to talk to you and make the case the best way I can, is if you believe in the principles of freedom, you are not fighting one-on-one. You are not just fighting the powers of tyranny, the powers of control. You're also facing their brother and sisters. Their brother and sister, which is human nature, and its other brother and sister, human consciousness, and the human mind and human nature, whatever term you want to call it, it is effectively three versus one. What do I mean by all of those principles, by those people? Well, tyranny is simple. Tyranny is all based around control. It's all based around, you're not an individual, you're part of the collective. You've seen this happen in your country over coronavirus. Whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's a state governor, whether it's Congress, hey, you got to stay home, stay safe. Don't go home. Don't go out. Can't, businesses are closed. You've seen that type of tyranny, that type of control. But the reasons that it happen is because it's human nature. You see, that one of the reasons and one of the things I struggle to do when I need, I'm trying to do better jobs of this is to explain to you why America is different. When I say America is an exceptional nation, a lot of people seem to take that as that you're somehow better than everyone else. Oh, Americans are just better than, than Irish people. Mm, I would make the case sometimes you are. But it's not about your people being better. It's about the principles of your country. You see, human nature, whether you want to base it on results, whether you want to base it on consistency, whether you believe the world is 6,000 years old, or whether you believe it's 5 billion years old, or whatever amount of years you personally believe the wor- oh, how old this world is, man has always known a power above him. Now, for some of us, we accept that power. It's our God. It's the God for me as a Christian of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Others believe it's God in Judaism. Others believe God is, is Allah, true Muslim. Others have different beliefs and different faiths, different religions, different belief sets. But when we talk about man through the history of the world, we also have had some other type of God in our life. Not just the God, the Creator but God, the government. And that government has taken form in some way, shape, or form in our lives. It's been called different things throughout the years, depending on what country you lived in. But since the dawn of time, man has always known a power over him. Man has always seen someone who rules over them. And it's a lot of the time been based on opinion. A lot of time when you look through the history of our world, whether you live in America, whether you lived in Ireland, whether you lived in England, whether you lived in, when I say America, by the way, I'm talking pre-founding fathers, pre-1776, whether you lived in Asia, whether you lived in the Middle East, we've seen many different dynasties, we've seen many different emperors, we've seen many different empires from the Roman Empire to the to the Greeks, to the Greek gods. To the British Empire, where the sun never sets. We have seen kings and queens. We have seen prime ministers. We have seen dictators. We have seen oligarchs. We have seen theocrats like Iran. We have seen many different forms of governments. We have seen many different countries. But human nature... The only thing human nature has known throughout all of this time, throughout all of the history of the world, is someone ruling over them. Whether we give them power or whether they have power and they just accept us, they're born into us. That they have some type of lineage that says they are better than other people. We have always accepted that power at the head of our state, at the head of our country, giving us the okay of what we can and can't do. Now, since the 1700s and the 1800s, man has become freer. Even if you look at the great British Empire, where it's not ruled by a king and a monarch anymore, it's ruled by a parliamentary democracy. On that arc of history, if you look at long term, we have become freer. We have more rights now than we have ever had in the last five, six hundred years. You look at the constitutions of today and you compare them to the Magna, Magna Carta. There is so much more rights in them. But we also have to understand that there is still fundamental principles which all of these countries violate. The founding fathers of America set America on a different course founding fathers looked at ancient rome looked at ancient greece and asked themselves why did they fail what can we take of theirs that is good what other countries can we look at they looked at the king heck if you want to actually make the argument of where you actually learned most of your constitutional rights from it was from the king of england Because they saw, because they lived under the king. They saw the malpractices. They felt the abuses. They lived through the euportations that the king enforced on them. And they said, we must live in a country, after we fight this king, after we beat this king, we must never, ever be subject to that type of tyranny again. And not only should we never be subject to any type of that tyranny again, but our offspring must never be subject to that type of tyranny again. Because we will set our country on a course that is exceptional. And it's not exceptional because it is better than any other country. It is exceptional and it is unique because no other country has followed that course. Has charted those waters. If you want to look at human history, human history is of tyranny. Is of control. Is of someone always giving you the okay. There's only ever been a brief moment in time, that little spark, that little flash, that little changed, changed course. There was only ever one other country that said, you know what? I don't think we should follow them. I don't think, I think we can do things different to them. We may be better. It may be worse, but I think we can do things differently. I think we can set up our country, our form of government, the exact opposite to the way every other country has. And that little piece of magic, that flash, because it is a flash in the pan when you understand human history. Human history didn't start in 1776 or 1787 or 1791. It didn't even start in 1620. Human history is at least 5,000 years old over many continents, over many different empires. So America in the terms of history in the terms of world history you are a flash in the pan. You are a once off. I hope to live in a time where America isn't exceptional from the point of view of that everyone adopts a lot or more of your principles. But why this is absolutely critical to understand is because America for all the my friends on the left who go, oh my god, America is just so racist. America just, oh my god, the American people are just so unbelievably horrible. You hate immigrants. You're just so hate. You're just so hateful. Really, America? You're Irish. People come say, oh John, you're going to be a great Irish American one day. <laughs> no, I'm not. If I ever get my wish, I'll be an American. But you have loads of hyphenated Americans. You have Irish American, Italian American, Chinese American, African American, of all these other things. You're the great melting pot. There isn't a term over here for, you know, English-Irish. You know all the English people who live over here? There's no term French-Irish. There's no term African-Irish. You don't have that. You don't even have any hyphenates in Ireland. You don't have any hyphenates in France. You're either French or you're not. You don't have any hyphens in Spain, really. You don't have any hyphens in England. America, you do have hyphens. That's because you're just so hateful. Oh my God, you American people, you suck. No, you don't. But the reason you need to understand world history, the reason you need to understand why you're such a flash in the pan is because you have hyphenate Americans. Because so much of your country, so much of your people are immigrants. Legal immigrants. But you are immigrants. You have part Irish, you have part German inside of you, you have part English inside of you. I'm sure some of you have part royal blood inside of you somewhere, whether you like that or not. I'm sure part of you have different cultures, different colonies. Every other country has known that form of tyranny has known that form of control it is human history and americans need to understand that that is the battle you're facing it's not just easy to look at and go oh it's liberty versus tyranny no you're also facing human nature also facing human nature what do i mean when you say facing human nature our bodies our brains are incredibly amazing things when you really think about it you know even if you just think of the the simple biology and physics and chemistry of us eating you know how we can you know eat a banana that's white lettuce that's green um you know, throw in a, you know, a burger and a bun or whatever you want to put in, put in whatever you eat for dinner. You know, mashed potatoes, carrots, Brussels sprouts. Why am I talking about food? I'm going to get hungry now. Um, bars of chocolate, whatever you want. Just the simple physics of how we put it in our mouth. We chew it. If you, if you, if you were b- brought up the right way, you'd chew it 32 times because apparently 32 is the magic number. And then it goes down our esophagus and it goes into our belly. And then the whole, physics or chemistry or biology or all of the above that you want to talk about that our body can literally start processing that food and you know it can take fast and store that away for a rainy day it can take energy and that energy gives our hearts the energy to pump blood around our body and then it has oxygen in it and some doesn't have oxygen in it and they're pumped around in different veins and through different parts of the body and how our brains can you know think our brains are powered through all that easing and then whatever our body doesn't need you know the 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 poop comes out like just think about that amazing science like our bodies are truly remarkable the idea that we can see the idea that we have emotions some are good some are bad but this idea that you know people can be happy people can be sad You can have all these range of emotions. You have all these ideas. You have dreams. You have ambition. That all comes through the neural synapses in your brain firing. Our brains are incredible. But as powerful as we are and as amazing as our, as our vessels are, we also have to understand one thing. We like certainty. We like certainty. We like having a routine. Now, for some people, will be it will differ. Some people like very, you know, rigid routines where, like, you know, at, at six o'clock I get up. At you know, two minutes past six, I'm in the shower. At six minutes past six, and I'm, I'm out of the shower, drying myself. At six ten, I'm getting dressed. At six fifteen, I'm having cereal. At six twenty, I'm in the car, and at six thirty, I'm in my first call. You know, very regimented. You know, some people like having places and desks where like every piece of paper has to be in a certain way. And if you know someone in your life of you know, who is like that, where you're like, no, no, that that belongs there. And it's like, but I moved to two centimeters. No, but it's not that's not its place. You have regiment, you have routine. Now other people are very regimented and really strict, and other people are like, No, no, it has a spot, it's roughly there. You know, the the, the teapot goes there. The candle goes there. The laptop goes there. It doesn't have to be in the exact spot, but, you know, in that general vicinity. We all have our creatures of habit in some way, shape, or form. And what happens if you throw some uncertainty in there? How do we react? Do we react positively or do we react negatively? There was a survey done, or sorry, not a survey, a... uh, A university, a team of researchers, published a document a couple of years ago, and I want to read a a couple of paragraphs to you. But basically, they did what they called the most sophisticated experiment ever on the relationship between uncertainty and stress. And what they did was they got a, a bunch of volunteers, and this does not sound fun. And basically, they asked them to play a computer game. And the computer game said, right, this is the aim of the game. You have to overturn rocks. Uh, But the problem is, some of the um, rocks will have snakes under them. And if you overturn a rock in the computer game and it has a snake underneath it, you get an electric shock. As you can imagine, this does not take rocket science. This You do not need an IQ to understand this. This made the participants of this game rather highly motivated to figure out which stones had no snakes under so they could overturn them. But what they found was they were caught because they knew the pain they had the shock because the human nature went, Oh, that I don't like that shock. I don't, I don't like that. They wanted to figure out different ways and the brain was coming up with different ways for them to find out. But what they also found was that they found out they started measuring the amounts of stress the body was under. And this didn't end well. They said that people, were, when the more stress they were under started making more erratic decisions, became more fearful, became more um, unpredictable. It had a big effect on their emotions that they could physically see it. Some of it was by the decision making. Other things, they had uh, visual signs. Their palms started sweating. They started sweating on the foreheads and different things. Why am I sharing this study with you when I'm talking to you about the principles of liberty and the principles of freedom? Because we all like certainty. We all seek out certainty. When you understand human history, and you understand making our ideologies as simple as they possibly can be, the ideology of government being the answer, and the idea of nature's law and nature's God, where it's up to the individual, which breeds certainty and which breeds uncertainty? Now, it doesn't always mean the uh, the answer is going to be positive and have a positive end result. But one of those ideologies promotes certainty. And that is an emotion that a lot of people feed into when it comes to government, whether it was on coronavirus. Just take that coronavirus as a prime example. Everyone understood at some way, level, shape, or form that everyone staying home or a good chunk of people staying home would be disastrous for the economy but there was so much fear-mongering on the numbers of what this was going to do there were going to be millions around the world dead and you had two choices you could have the certainty of stay home and stay safe lower the spread remember that they had all these big graphs you know the the peak whereas if we did nothing this would be this big giant peak and then it would come down Or if they followed the rules and a lot of people stayed home and cocooned, you know, it would be a lower... What what do they have? They had a fancy hashtag. Oh, flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. Remember that fancy hashtag a couple of months ago? It was more long and drawn out. But it never hit that peak. That was all about certainty. Because there was certainty, whether it was believed or not by the politicians, it was delivered with confidence and with certainty. And the people heard... Yeah, it may cause economic pain. And yes, it'll have a load of unintended consequences. But the certain option is if we stay home, if we flatten the curve, the uncertain option was, well, what about the jobs? What about people with other illnesses? What about people with cancer? What about the unintended consequences that this is going to have? What happens if the cure is worse? Well, that's too uncertain. We can't. We, we our our minds can't figure that out. Our our mind, that that leaves too much up for the imagination. That leaves so much up to the imagination. That's uncertainty. I don't like uncertainty. No, no, I'm going to go with the certainty, and I'm going to flatten the curve. These are the battles we face, and we are fighting today. We need to understand that our message is a message of uncertainty. But it is a beautiful and powerful message because it unleashes every individual. Because freedom, there is nothing certain about freedom. Because if you have a freedom, and let me just give you a simple example. I used it earlier in the show, freedom of speech. Which, if you believe in, it's it's not really called PC culture anymore. It used to be politically correct speech. But it's adapted and it's changed now. But if you believe in politically correct speech, you believe there's certain things we shouldn't be able to say. Let me give you an example. And I'll use me as an example. Politically correct speech, now it didn't do this, but on its highest level it might have. Oh, John, we, ca- we can't have people running around calling John fat. No, that might hurt his feelings. That might be wrong. No, do you know what we need to do? We need to ban people saying, you know, you cannot tell John he's fat. You can't call them a derogatory fat boy term. That's the certainty. The uncertainty is, well, look, whether I like it or not, whether I love it or not, whether I'm happy about it or not, people have a right to free speech. And all this human nature has learned is people don't learn the lesson that just because they can doesn't mean they should. So do you have right to come up and say, hey, you're a fat, blah, 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 blah fill in the blank sure in fact because of who i am if anyone ever tried to shut up in, a, uh, in an insulter of mine i'd actually side at my insulter i'd be like no they have a right to say it they have a right to say it don't ever try and shut people up i may not like what they say in fact i may find what they say grotesque because some of the comments i have gotten over the years are grotesque but they have a right to say it we need to understand if we are fighting for freedom If you are a believer in nature's law and nature's God, you need to fundamentally understand you are not just fighting the tyranny or the control of government. You're also fighting human history. That human history of 5,000 years old or 5 billion years old that says man likes someone over us. But you're also fighting the battle of human nature because we all like that certainty. We all like that figurehead, that person that will take control of stuff. But also linked into this, you also need to understand that why we like that certainty. We also like the fact that that certainty also offers us a level of convenience. Let me give you a prime example. Prior to coronavirus in Ireland, there was a big crisis going on. It was all over the news. It was kind of like coronavirus, but it wasn't coronavirus. It's a similar problem you guys have at different times in different states in your country. It's the problem of homelessness. The problem of poverty. You see, the problem of poverty, if people have asked me in the past, how, as someone who lived in poverty and who really struggled to get a job for a long period of time and may actually be returning to those days, sadly. But how do you solve poverty? You empower the individual. It actually is a biblical principle. Do you want to give a person a fish? Or do you want to teach him how to fish? I always will choose the, the, hey, let's teach people how to fish. Let's make people as self-sufficient as possible. But that requires work of the individual. That requires work of charities. That requires work of churches. That requires work of everyone. But you know what? If I just delegate another chunk of my wages, just pay my taxes. Look, I pay my taxes. You look after the homeless problem. That certainty also alleviates our stress. It also alleviates our, you know, Hey, I I, I did my moral obligation. I paid my taxes. I don't need to look after the homeless people. This is the problem that we face. We fight them i believe the greatest attribute that we can have apart from knowledge is humility and i want to make the point and prove this point to you on two different levels firstly you talk about america being a christian nation read the four gospels of jesus if anyone anywhere any point in time had every reason to be arrogant it was him Not anybody else can claim. hey, well, my father is the creator. My father is the creator of the heavens and the earths, of the night and the day, of the sun, the moon, the stars, of the plants, of all the animals, of all the planets, of all the land, of all the sea. My father created everything. You, gay, you, yes, you, you may think you're right, but my father is the creator. I know I'm right, and I am the key for many of you, to getting to him. This guy had every reason to be arrogant. He had every reason to go, hey, I know everything, because he literally did. He had every reason to go, I'm better than you, because he was. He had every reason to go, you're dumb, you're dumb, you're stupid, you haven't got a freaking clue what you're talking about. What did he act like? Did he act that way? Was that him? Was he arrogant or was he the exact opposite? He was humble. He was kind. He was a simple man who went around at its simplest core, went around telling stories, but didn't tell stories in a gotcha kind of way. Even when the, the chief priests and the Pharisees and all were trying to trip him up, going to ask all these, you know, tricky questions. He could have easily lost with them. You know, he did a few times, but when you think of Jesus losing it and the way he did in the scriptures, compare that to what? Imagine you saw that on Twitter. Would you, would, that would be rather mild compared to what's on Twitter today, wouldn't it? Or how a, a typical smackdown goes by, by politicians and media people. Anything Jesus said is rather tame and mute compared to what we do today. And then we ask ourselves, why is it not working? Maybe if it's good enough for Jesus to act that way, maybe it's good enough for us to try and start acting that way. What do you think? That's the scriptural reference. Now let me talk to you about your history. Read your family. George Washington. Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, there was a lots of insults going around, but you look at that debate of the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist Papers, where there's real substance been discussed in humble terms a de- honest debate do we see that today do you see any part of the federalist and anti-federalist papers i don't mean actually word for word typed out i mean that type of debate do you see that happening anywhere do you see a debate happening that happened in philadelphia do you see anyone acting like george washington who after been called to serve in the continental army went home And then when everything is in chaos in Philadelphia and is summoned, goes and is described not as the person who is the savior, not as the person who went in and going, right, folks, I'm here, George Washington, baby. I'll fix this. No, he was described as the slow, steady, silent hands that guided the Constitution to its completion. Do we have anyone who acts that way? Or it's just as, is that so 1787? Oh, that's such a long time ago. We live in a different world. It's so 200 years ago, John. Let's just get over it. These, something we should admire? Okay, then let me talk to you about reason history, which I've done a lot. Martin Luther King. Why did he win? And why did Malcolm X lose? You cannot get past the fact that humility is a key part to your history. Yes, I know we're all angry right now. We're all addicted to outrage. We're all pissed off at something. Whether it's government, whether it's Trump, whether it's the media, whether it's Facebook. We're always annoyed at something. But when the American people respond in large chunks, it's true humility. It's true big visions. It's true big dreams. It's why Reagan won a landslide in '84. It's why people like Calvin Coolidge changed your country. It's why people like Abraham Lincoln changed your country. It's why people like me still revere your founders. You just have to ask yourself and look internally, you kind of go, do I like these principles? Do I think they can still work? And even if I don't think I'll win, do I think these principles are noble, are just, and are worth pursuing in life? Because look around. We're all arrogant. We're all know-it-alls. I see CNN bringing Greta on. Hey, you know, let's get the 17-year-old to talk to us about coronavirus. Yeah, wonderful. We all know it all. But when it comes to the arc of history on freedom, are we leaning more towards freedom or more towards control? Maybe it's time we look inwards, look ourselves in the mirror and kind of go, maybe things are not working. What worked in the past? And maybe let's try and modify it and tweak it to make it work again in the future or maybe you know what maybe i'm just full of crap and you know we're not fighting human history and we're not fighting human nature and you know humility is the biggest load of crap because yeah baby fill in the name fill in the blank they, they'll they save us they you know if we vote for our favorite presidential candidate they'll save the world whether it's joe biden donald trump or justin amash maybe maybe just maybe who knows What say you? Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, we salute your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, never ever forget the the idea that America's secret sauce. America is great because Americans are good. Not good because of Trump. You're not good because of the GOP or Democrats or Nancy Pelosi. You're good because of your people. And it should be always looked upon as your people, not your government. Have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.